right, welcome back to the goalpost. We are now in August. Things are wrapping up in NFL offseason, and we are getting into training camp. CFL Week 8 came and went. We got a lot to talk about today. Patrick, how are we feeling? Excited, Damian. You can just kind of smell the football in the air. August is here. Training camp starting or ending, like you said, preseason starting, college football starting to get back in action, and the CFL is just ramping up right in the thick of things. So it's just football heaven right now. Got that right. It's football heaven, and we're going to start off like we did last week with some quick thoughts on the CFL. Week 8, it started out with Hamilton playing the Red Blacks. We had kind of previewed this game as, you know, a big one for either team. Ottawa was kind of, you know, riding a big high, and we were expecting them to kind of come down to earth a bit, and that's pretty much what happened here. Hamilton wins this one 16-12, but the story of this one, again, we sound like a broken record, but it's an injured quarterback, and this time maybe the craziest way it's happened uh, so far this season. Uh, in the last second of the game, like last, I think it's 10 seconds of the game, Hamilton throws out Bo Levi Mitchell to, you know, run a, what should be a kneel play. And he ends up taking it up the gut and gets rap tackled and fractures his leg. I mean, how does that happen? It looks so awkward uh, in, in real time. I was shocked to see Bo Levi Mitchell not get up and then have to be carried off the field, not put any weight on and on his leg or his I believe it's the knee is the is the injury. So yeah. it was very like kind of scary and surreal in a way to see him getting carried off, especially because he just came back. And I mean, he he had a kind of a nightmare of a game, but that he found a way to win. And I think that's kind of a testament to what Bo Levi Mitchell is, just a, a quarterback who knows how to win in the CFL, can get it done every which way. But overall, it's such a Bo Levi stat line: twenty-three for forty, three fifty-three, two touchdowns, five interceptions. Just, it, it's so sad to see. I I just don't know how that play ends up happening, and how he ends up in on the field up four. I get that you don't want to give up the safety. They were or the rouge. They were right by the goal line, but you can't put your quarterback who's coming back from injury in a position to get injured while you're up. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think that's. Borderline a fireball offense for Orlando, Orlando Steinhauer. Wow. I think wow. it's crazy. A, a guy goes out there and breaks his fucking leg. Because, like, I don't know how that happens. No, and why not just put Taylor Powell in? Just, you got him. It's, it's the CFL, the back of quarterbacks, like you are there for short, short yardage reasons. Yes. And that's exactly what Hamilton was in. They kept a freshly, like fresh off the IR, Bo Levi Mitchell, and for a position yeah. for him to get wrap tackled in, you know, get rolled on in that knee is it's it's in trouble. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, he's gone for the rest of the season. Hamilton is right back in the position that they were before he came back, and now for a much longer extended period of time. This is a worse injury than the first one by a mile. I just I can't really wrap my head around that. We, you finally get you know some spark back in your team. And get a guy, a character guy, back in your lineup, and all of a sudden he's gone. I mean, Ottawa lost this one, but it really felt like Hamilton did. Yeah, I know. Everything we've talked about has been negative towards Hamilton, but they did find a way to win this game. It's crazy, and it was a huge win for them. Yeah, They're now tied with Ottawa at three and four. In it was the a massive win. Montreal's one spot ahead of them at three and three, and I think it's time, Damien, to start talking about the East being the better division in the CFL. I think right now. It's looking like the East team will be the one that crosses over and not 
a Western team, and, and that would be crazy. It's I saw somebody tweet the other day that you know the chance of a Hamilton Argos Grey Cup in Hamilton is still alive right now, which is just crazy to think about, especially with the season the Thai Cats have had so far. But this was a huge win for them. Uh, we were kind of expecting a Dustin Crum, you know, cool down game, and that's pretty much what happened here. He went 13 for 22. Uh, 158, zero touchdowns and one interception. He still managed to get 82 yards on the ground. Um, But yeah, you know, they can't all be comebacks. And I think that that's what Red Blacks fans felt a bit frustrated with after this one. You can't keep waiting for that big play at the end. It looked like they just really didn't take advantage of a lot of the opportunities they were given on offense, kind of the whole game. Yeah, and I guess that is kind of the knock on Dustin Crum up into, into this point of his CFL career. It's his first halves have been lackluster, I think, yeah. to say the least in some games. And we saw that again today, or sorry, uh, in this game last Thursday. He just didn't look good. And, you know, you kept waiting. Like you said, the Red Blacks have come back in the two weeks before this. You kept waiting for that Dustin Crumb drive to just spark the yeah. energy of the team. And then they kind of just roll off of momentum. Never happened. And no. uh, they settled for four field goals in the game, only 12 points. Like you said, Dustin Crumb... Uh, no touchdowns through the interception. It felt like he was almost too reliant on his legs in this game, and it's I kind of want to see him throw the ball a bit more. Yeah, you know, I was speaking with my dad about this. I think that in the CFL, time and time again, it kind of shows that you have to be an elite pocket passer to win in the CFL consistently over a long period of time. Guys who use their leg are very dynamic, and they work really well, but ultimately – great CFL quarterbacks comes down to being able to pocket pass. It's a passing game, and I think that that's where Crum really needs to kind of touch up those things, a bit of decision-making, but we won't dwell too long on this one. These are supposed to be quick thoughts, so we'll go to Saturday, touchdown Atlantic, Saskatchewan at Toronto, technically not, but in Halifax, uh, and the Argos still stay undefeated. They move to 6-0, after beating Saskatchewan 31-13. to This was a bit of a weird one, kind of similar to the Hamilton game the week before where uh, the Argos kind of you know, had a great first half and then the offense kind of disappeared in the second half. Saskatchewan can't get anything going with Mason Fine right now. It, like They eventually did way too late, and it was that was just kind of the story of the game, was their offense was just really lackluster. Yeah, it was. Uh, the game kind of was lackluster yeah. in a sense, and I— it's hard to Second find. half, at least. The first half was pretty entertaining, punt return. But I think the only reason the first half was entertaining was because of everything except for the Argos offense. It was yeah. like the defense was intercepting the ball. The Like you said, the punt return, they, were, they got uh, good yardage on another punt return. Yep. And then obviously the, the offense had to cash in on you know the interceptions and the good yardage they got through special teams. But I mean... If they were playing, you know, a BC, a Winnipeg, I yeah. don't know if they win this game. I know. And part of me is wondering, you know, is this team getting into a bit of a lull mindset in that sense that they need kind of a big game to kick them back into gear? And I think that that is like some pressure for the offense is a good thing. Chad did not have his best game in any sense, probably his worst game of the year by far. Whether that's, you know, traveling out to Halifax, whether that's the the spot of the game, the team you're playing, being able to, it's hard to get up, I guess, maybe for the Rough Riders right now, especially with Mason Fine at quarterback. Um, So, you know, it is something to keep an eye on, though, because that's now happened two weeks in a row. 
Yeah, he was 13 of 21, 120 yards, touchdown, and an interception thrown. Uh, I don't know. He was just not great. It was nice to see Andrew Harris get involved. Yeah. Uh, he moved into fifth all-time in CFL rushing yards, uh, 41 yards on seven carries. It This game, it was the Argos won it because of special teams and defense. The offense did enough, obviously cashed yeah. in when they needed to, kept their streak of 30 points or more in every game this year, which is very impressive. But it's like you said, like this might have been the Argos' down game though, and they found a way to yeah. win, right? So you no, can look true. at it both ways. That's that's the spin zone if you're an Argos yeah. fan. No, it's true. You had a down game. You found a way to put up 31 points. Your defense looks amazing. Special teams is kind of firing on all cylinders right now. So it's just like you know, you know, the offense will catch up because yeah. when Chad Kelly's on, he's one of, if not the best quarterback in the CFLs this year, and. I think the Argos will be fine, but they just can't have a repeat of this performance on offense. I agree. I think that's pretty much uh, where this one left off. That'll give us a bit of time to talk right now, though, about CFL expansion. Touchdown Atlantic this year was obviously like an ultimate pitch um, to possibly interested owners. Um, the word out now uh, from Justin Dunk at 3Down Nation is that mul- there are multiple interested owners uh, it's looking much more positive. You know, they absolutely packed St. Mary's Stadium. And it seems, you know, it's hard to completely trust Randy Ambrosi's word, but it really does seem like the wheels are kind of spinning now on this. I feel like they've been spinning for a while. Yeah. I feel like now we're we're rolling. The wheels are rolling a bit yeah. more. And it's like things are kind of starting to happen. There's more discussions. I think they've, uh, like, CFL – Atlantic, the the fans have showed up yeah. when they keep coming out there, which is what they have to do if they want a team. I believe it was it ten ten thousand. Uh, I think stadium? it was twelve thousand with 000. the added seats. Yeah. Okay, so I think like how do you think that is? I think if you, if I think they, that's part of of what the weariness is is of where they figure out a stadium here, and it's kind of all around stadiums right now. I know I've seen that there's two like potential um, ones, one of them being St. Mary's, um, and the other being I want to say the rugby. Where the Halifax rugby team plays right now. Okay. Um, but I saw a good point saying that kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats. You look at the Winnipeg CBL team; they're now they open the third deck of where the Jets play for the playoff game. Yeah, that's quite impressive what they do over. It's over very there. impressive. So people are thirsty for live sports more than ever right now. I would say, and going to live events. I think a CFL team in Halifax would would make a ton of money just in the sense of gate and revenue in that sense. So it's something to keep an eye on. It's interesting. I think that I would buy so much new merch if there was another team just for fun. They would have probably a beautiful logo, probably really nice jerseys, like colors. colors. Yeah, I can can kind of picture that. Uh, And I think they'll... If they do get a team out there, I think if they consistently get 10-plus thousand at those games, and then, you know, you you build a stadium, right? If you get a team, like you said, it'll probably build, and then it'll also give 10 teams to league, 5-5 and in each division. That would be lovely. We'll go to Saturday night. There's not much to talk about with this one except for sadness. The Elks get shut out by the Lions 27 to nothing to set the North American Pro Sports franchise record for – Losses at home with 21 straight home losses. The Elks are now 0-8. It was absolutely abysmal. Dane Evans came in this one and chopped it up. (laughs) Absolutely sliced the Elks. And I think that with the Elks... 
All right, we're back now. Sorry we got interrupted by uh, the Centennial security guard. Very classic situation here. Um, but, yeah, this one was terrible for the Elks. Um, they got bad press all Saturday night and kind of through the weekend that was making headlines. And it's never good. I I don't like this. Nobody likes to see this, and this just sucks overall, I would say. No, it's, it's really bad. It's in not Edmonton. good. It's really bad. And – I Don't think like I, I think I said last week because we were we were both on the Elks in this game, or at least yeah, we were both on the Elks in this game, which was over as quick as you can imagine. Yeah, Th- is there a possibility they don't win a game this year? <sighs> I know it's really early. Like I don't want yeah. to like that. You know the, the know. first take kind of segments, but they just have no hope, and they look so defeated. And then now, obviously, the press is starting to turn on them and Chris Jones. Yeah. And it's just not a good situation in Edmonton right now. Well, they have a bye week, and then they go Winnipeg at home, Hamilton on the road, Ottawa at home. What people are saying is that the back-to-back in September with Edmonton at Calgary and Calgary at Edmonton, that is going to be their time to get a win. But that's what what I've seen online. But. You know, it really is starting to look possible, which is terrible to say. They still they got a couple players on that team. It's just, you know, obviously the news out now is that apparently Cornelius is finally out and we're going to either see Trey Ford or Jared Dogie. Um, I am, and like, you know, this podcast has been talking about for a long time, we want to see Trey Ford in there. I don't care if it's good, if it's bad. I just want to see it happen. I want to at least know. I, wanna, I think you owe the fans to show them what they have in a sense and I think that Chris Jones is maybe finally starting to get that a bit let your eighth overall pick play yeah he's your quarterback you used it your first your first round pick on him uh like I think I said it before he's the highest drafted quarterback in in a long time in the CFL and it's just he's been sitting on the bench for a year and a half now and it's just time to get him in there it's your 0-8 you need some sort of spark because you have nothing going for you right now. Yeah. It'll take some attention off, you know, Chris Jones and all everything else and negative going on with Edmonton and it can spin a new narrative. It's it's a PR PR move. PR move. Shout out to Rashman Danny. Put um, Trey Ford in the game. Up next we have Calgary at Montreal. This one wrapped up the week and was the best game of the week, likely. And they're saving the CFL saving these great games for Sunday. I don't know what you're doing again if you're not watching CFL football on Sunday nights. Um, but this one was an interesting one. After I pumped the absolute tires of Jake Mayer last week, he had a bit of a tough game. Uh, he goes 24 for 44, just slinging it again, but only for 256, no touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, this was an absolute field goal fest. I don't th- Fajardo or Meyer couldn't really get it done tonight. They both finished the game with no touchdowns. Only touchdown in this one was off of a pick six in the second quarter. And, you know, it got rain delayed out big. But the story of this one was just the, the Stamps not being able to get it done late. Yeah, uh, just a lot of left opportunities out there from both teams the entire game. Uh, it Pretty much the difference was the pick six, obviously yeah. the only touchdown in the game. I, I, this was a this was just a frustrating game to watch as as just a yeah. spectator because it had the potential to be like a 45-42 game. It, it really felt like did. there was zero defense in this game. The teams were just going up and down the field. Yeah. But they just weren't getting touchdowns. And then like you said, Calgary Calgary had two late drives. 
Uh, the first one was, you know, I just kind of faltered out and, and then didn't go. go. Yeah. But then the last one, uh, I believe they snapped the ball with 13 seconds on the clock, third and three, and uh, Meyer was moving up in the pocket. And he was pretty much at the line of scrimmage and decides to throw basically a jump ball that was quite overthrown in the end zone. Game over when he could have for sure scrambled for a first down, possibly a touchdown to uh, tie the game up, go to overtime. Yeah, he owned it after he said, "I got to you know, I got to be better. This one's on me." All the cliches, but yeah, it's tough when you know the, the CFL is such a quarterbacks league where you know you have the chance to get a win there and go to three and four instead of two and five. Meanwhile, Montreal goes to 500. I mean, I think that's just like a pretty sharp drop-off for kind of where the rest of your season or at least the rest of the next few weeks could go. And I think that Calgary needed that one bad, and that hurt. I still think they have the best receiving core in the CFL. Like, Mark and Michelle is a borderline NFL player. Uh, Trey Odom's Dukes has been slicing and dicing. They have Clark Barnes, who's kind of in the running for the Rookie of the Year right now at receiver. And, you know, Tedrick Mills, Tommy Lee Lewis, they they just have weapons everywhere. It's kind of like Winnipeg's receiving room, which is what makes it so much more frustrating um, when you're not kind of, you know, taking advantage of that and getting wins when you should have. This one was one they needed to win. I'm going to die on the hill of... Calgary is better than their record for for most yeah. of the season. I think I'm gonna keep doing it until I have to be really, really, really wrong yeah. for for, the, for myself to get out on that take. They play the Argos next week, which we'll get into. It's not ideal, but I mean, at two and five, and you look at Saskatchewan at three and four. I mean, it's they're kind of the same team, and I think Jake Meyer is a better quarterback. They miss him fine right now. Uh, it, it's just frustrating though. Jake Meyer played lackluster. But still played good enough. I, f- I feel like it was better than Cody Fajardo played because Cody Fajardo didn't do anything. It was kind of Steinbach's game, just doing everything, running the ball. You know us. We're not huge Cody Fajardo fans. No, 158 yards and an interception. Yeah. I mean, it, nobody talks about him either. Like, you hear so many guys get heat uh, at the quarterback position across the CFL, and Cody Fajardo just slides by. Well, We Mont- might be giving him the most heat right now. We might be, but because Montreal's finding ways to win. They're yeah. 500, they're second in the yeah. East, so it's like... Nobody cares. You can't knock him too much, because yeah. it's kind of like Jimmy G. Yeah. When he was on the on the Niners, he's just winning games. Yeah, and you, staying at 500. He always he's not, he doesn't do anything special, but he finds ways to win. He just yeah. doesn't lose you games, which is good enough sometimes yep um on to week nine where the bc lions are at winnipeg for bc winnipeg probably the best matchup of the season so far six and one lions five and two bombers i think this one's going to be absolutely slam packed in winnipeg i think they might fit 30,000 into this one obviously the story though being that Vernon Adams still from that injury against Saskatchewan is not playing I think people are a bit disappointed for that Dane Evans is good but Vernon Adams is better we all want to see that in the spotlight Um, but this one's interesting right now uh, the line is laying points to Winnipeg pretty heavily Um, most books having it at five and a half uh, but this one is still, I think, anybody's game. I think Dane Evans can at least get make this one real competitive. Yeah, I think uh, Dane Evans starting instead of Vernon Adams is reflected in that line. Otherwise, I would yeah. say it's it's like a two, two and a half. Like, yeah. and you're only giving it to Winnipeg because they're they're at home. Yeah, uh, they 
matched up earlier in week three, BC kind of gave it to them, obviously with Vernon Adams at quarterback, but they won 30-6. to six. Caleros looked like he had nothing in that game, and that's got to leave a sour taste in your mouth if you're Winnipeg. Like, they probably marked this game on the calendar right after week three, right after that game. Yeah. And I got to think that they want to make a statement in this game saying, we are the top dogs in the West, because as of right now, BC is first in the West still. They're 6-1, and one. Winnipeg's 5-2. and two. And, I mean, if will BC win those season series if they win this game? I believe so. Yeah. This is why a lot of people are calling this the biggest game of the season so far in determining who gets that, you know, who can possibly get that one seed. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think this is a great game to kind of start the week, kickstart the week after a bit of a, you know, a quieter week eight. I think this one's an absolute banger. Um, this podcast is obviously going to come out after this game already happened. So let's do some outlandish takes for this one. Um, I think that, you know, just looking up and down right now with Kenny Lawler back in the mix, I really like Kalaros to kind of slice and dice this game. I think he's going to get a lot of yards. Uh, You know, the BC defense allows a lot of yards per game. So does the Winnipeg defense. So I think this one's going to be a bit of an offensive uh, barn burner. And I think it's going to fall down to Dane Evans. Like, if he makes the timely mistake that we're used to Dane Evans doing, the the interception before half, the interception in the red zone, stuff like that, uh, I think this one's Winnipeg's. But it's kind of a toss-up. I don't know. It's tough to take hot takes on this. I love Winnipeg off a bye. Yeah. I love Winnipeg off a bye, off a rematch of getting blown out. Revenge game, yeah. I I love them. I I'm going to take uh, them on the money line because, uh, I, I, similar to you, I think this one's going to be high scoring, which means it's probably going to go under, knowing us. Yep. Uh, but I, I, it looks like it's going to be high scoring. I mean, Winnipeg's been scoring points lately. And BC's not been terrible either with Dane Evans at quarterback. I mean, they had 27 last week against the Elks. And, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'll, I would lay the points if I would take it, Winnipeg minus six on bet three six five which is the one i'm using and uh over 45 points and we'll see how these takes age i guess yeah i guess so uh but we'll go next to friday we got friday night lights the argos going to calgary and 9 p.m start a little bit of a late one here on a friday nothing better um but yeah Obviously, as we talked about earlier, not the kind of get-right game you want if you're the Stampeders having to face the only undefeated team in the league coming in. Um, They're at home, but still the Argos are laying 8.5 points. We finally got an over at 50, over-under set at 50.5 points. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, You know, Toronto's still rocking that 36.2 points per game. Calgary 24.3. I think just for a fun bet on a Friday night, you have to take the over in this one, but I'm excited. I don't know whether this is going to be the letdown game or whether this is going to be Calgary kind of rolling over. I'm unsure. I You have to take the over. We've been, yeah. we've been complaining about not getting any 50s all year, so it's nice to see a 50-burger out there. Hopefully there's a lot of points. This game scares me if I'm, an, if I'm the Argos. I think so too. At Calgary... Calgary's going to have a, a not, I mean, they're not going to be happy about how that game ended. Jake Myers kind of got some extra motivation, got a little, uh, you know, underdog mentality going to him. Don't underestimate me. I need to get back better. And I mean, like eight and a half points is a lot. I don't know if Calgary's going to go out and win this game, 
But I, I do think this is going to be a battle. I mean, we've talked earlier about the offensive struggles for the art, but not all, the offense hasn't been rolling, and they have had to rely on the defense and special teams to kind of win the win last week's game. So I kind of like yeah. Calgary with the points in this one, eight and a half. It's interesting. It's a lot of points to cover. They're paid to play football too. That's kind of where I'm thinking right now. Something interesting to keep an eye on from our boy David Morasuti, who follows the Argos. They will be without Jamal Peters, DeMonte Coxey, Thomas Costigan, Darius Siraco, Isaiah Cage, um, Jamal Peters, Enoch Mwamba, Spencer Nichols. Like they, they have a ton of injuries. I don't know if that is, you know, in, you know, preparation or a safety precaution for some of these guys, especially guys like Coxey. Um, but I, you know, you're sitting a lot of guys on this one, and this is possibly where the letdown comes. They just had to release Markeith Ambles, too, really veteran receiver who's been with the team but got caught up in the numbers game. Uh, it's something to keep an eye on because the Argos are going into this one uh, a bit down manned. They are. There's a little bit of talk because uh, the Argos have never started a season 7-0 and before, so yeah. this team is looking for some history this week. Man, that'd be cool. Yeah, but it adds a little extra pressure, yeah. right? Because you know they're hearing that, right? They're probably flying as high as you can possibly imagine right now. Yeah. All the, the conversation this week, it's not going to be as much about Calgary as it's probably going to be about getting the 7-0 and and, yeah. you know, the setting records, blah, blah, oh, blah. Big update. Uh-oh. Chad Kelly jersey is inbound, will be at my house on Friday. No way. We got a Jet Chad Kelly jersey. We're going to start building the wall in here when we record. We're going to we're just going to bring in jerseys every day and then we're going to record them. This <laughs> is uh that's it's a big day to get this jersey Friday. It's a, the it's a game. good omen. That's why I Look, had to get it in. It could all, we're going to have to find out if it's a good omen. Oh, fuck. Fuck. There's a lot of pressure on the jersey right away. Man, a lot of pressure on the jersey. For those of you familiar with this podcast, I'm still riding out my Tua jersey. Something about me and picking quarterbacks that I really want to have a stake in in keeping the jersey long time. It's I think that has a lot to do with this game. Yeah, this this podcast, I mean, me and myself, I have not had good luck with jerseys. Uh, so I, I hope Damien doesn't take over my my throne, and I wish him the best of luck with his Tua and Chad Kelly jerseys. Thank you very much. And the last game of the week, Sunday, Ottawa at Saskatchewan. This one's a weird one, and I feel like we've been saying that the last game of the week is kind of going to be the best one for a while. This time, obviously, we have you know a heavy, heavy hitter up front. Um, but this one, I think, is going to be sneaky, entertaining. Both teams at three and four. Both teams needing a win in this one. You know, Saskatchewan and Ottawa, I think, you know, with Hamilton as as well with M- Montreal is going to be battling for that spot in the playoffs. You know, who's going to get the crossover? Who's going to get the second seed? I think this game kind of determines a lot of those questions for the next few weeks, at least. Um, and this one is going to be interesting to wa- watch. Like, Will Crum bounce back? Will Saskatchewan be able to put a full game together? I don't know. This scream, this game screams sloppiness. Yes, to me, and which, under to me. Yeah, chaos, kind of just similar to Ottawa's game last week. It feels like they're just going to go up the field and you know turn it over or settle for a field goal. Uh, yeah, forty-four. I, I do like that under. I do like Ottawa to win this game. I guess if I had to lean somewhere, I, I think. Um, Dustin Crum's a better quarterback than Mason Fine. Yeah. But do you think, because 
Saskatchewan put in their backup, who I'm going to get the name of right now, Jake Dolagala, who went four for five for 100 yards and a touchdown. And he's seen time before. He's not like a complete newcomer either, which is something interesting because I think Saskatchewan's one of those markets, possibly even more so than like Winnipeg. They are so cutthroat in that market. People are watching the riders all the fucking time and they demand answers essentially. Uh, It's not like Edmonton where like they, the fans are getting upset, but like rider fans will absolutely raise hell. And I think that. You know, two weeks ago we said you have to let Mason find sink or swim, and I think that we've kind of seen that. I think that, you know, when you're completing all those passes and you finish with under 300 yards, it's kind of tough to, you know, have faith in that. But I don't know about how long you can keep him in that job for. Yeah, I mean, the pressure's on already. Yeah. Like the conversation, I'm reading an article right now, Third Down Nation. Uh, they said Mason Mason did enough. Craig Dickinson dismisses Riders QB controversy after Fine was pulled for Jake Dolagallo last week. I'm all for a quarterback controversy, and I why not have it? Because it's it's for a backup quarterback spot. In in reality, right? It's you don't you don't know you think you know who's better going into the season when you make your depth chart, and you had Mason Fine over Dolagallo, which I mean, based on reputation, makes sense, but. Dolagala, you know, he, he, he played and he balled out a up. bit, four, five hundred yards set already, but I don't know. Mason Fine hasn't done anything special. I don't think he's done anything to, like, earn this spot or deserve it necessarily over him. Yeah, and, and Dolagala was the one who created that drive uh, that Saskatchewan got their touchdown on. Like, yeah. he went four for five and got a touchdown. So, I think that on an Argos defense, you kind of have to like take that into account. Looking ahead here to the Red Blacks, the Red Blacks give up a lot. They're they're in a, that conversation of teams where you kind of get into barn burners with them. So I don't know. I think you throw anything at the wall for a win here. I think you need one. So I guess Mason Fine is the starter this week, but how yeah. how short of a leash do you think he has? Well, it, it's interesting, right? Like if you get to half, and let's say Ottawa is up, you know, fourteen to three. Do you throw in Dolagala for you know the next half? I think you might. I think that's when you go. Hey, we need uh, we, we need, need o- we, we need offense on the, your next drive, or else we're putting yeah putting them in. Like I agree. give him like a heads up, I guess. Kind of, I guess he's earned that somehow, some way. But uh, it's if I'm Saskatchewan and knowing how crucial these wins are when you're sitting at three and four yep. and. Like, this is a potential crossover spot game, right? Like, you kind of have to find a way to stay ahead of the East because the East is now competitive. And, I mean, yeah, Saskatchewan's got to win these games against these teams that are similar to their level, if not maybe a little bit lower. But, I mean, Dustin Crum, I favor him over Mason Fine, and I think that will possibly reflect the score in this game. All right, well, that does it for our CFL Talk Another quick thoughts and a preview to get you ready and updated throughout the season. And up next, we will have our final review of Netflix quarterback series. So come back after that. All right. Welcome back now for our final review of the Netflix quarterback series. This is going to be episodes five to eight. And this one, we got a lot to go over. Uh, I think we start in episode five. Um, where we had, you know, a lot of, 
you know, kind of down stuff. This wasn't the biggest episode. It started out in my notes as, do you think uh, Patrick Mahomes truly respects Matt Nagy? That was what I could think the entire, you know, first, like, maybe 10 minutes of this. It seems like Nagy is just kind of, like, a bit intimidated of him and goes up to him. He's like, hey, hey, Patrick, you like that one? Was that good? Was that good? Did you feel good there? Yeah, it's like a little inferiority complex yeah. he's got going on. I don't just, know. He needs, he yeah. needs Mahomes' yeah. Yeah, acceptance. And he, I don't know. We had a great Mahomes quote saying, I'm so used to scoring in the red zone every single time that I'm surprised when I don't. That was pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't. This was kind of the, the last episode of Mariota. Yeah, he was this was pretty it. much gone. I mean, yeah. he started, you know, getting the getting the hate because he wanted to get surgery when he was after he was benched. It yeah. wasn't like he was got the surgery then it was then we put Ritter in. It was yeah. he was benched, then he decided to go get surgery and then he got some hate. There were some narratives out there which were I don't know. I I don't understand how those narratives got formed because like what I got from Mariota this entire Netflix series was that He's just—he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's not like he doesn't really. I'm surprised he actually did this. Yeah, he's, me too. He doesn't seem like a guy who's kind of into this stuff. And I mean, but overall, he seems like a very grounded person. Family kind of comes first. And overall, I think he just wants to get the surgery because he knew he's a free agent in the off season, and he had to go get a job somewhere. And eventually, he did. He's in, with Philly this year, so I, I don't understand why he was getting hate for that decision. But yes, this was the last. I don't blame him either, and they dropped the bomb of him getting, you know, benched or essentially cut after his baby is born. Like, the day after his baby is born, he gets called into the facility and told this and then makes a decision for his health and his future as a quarterback. Kind of got, you know, crucified for it. We got a bit more of Arthur Smith in this episode. He kind of talked about it a bit. Um, I actually thought his quotes were pretty good on it. He didn't get completely into it. Um, They were obviously taken aback by it. Uh, a bit, but you kind of got to know that with a guy like this, like you have a journeyman on your team, he's going to act like a journeyman. Like he's going to put himself first in that sense of his career and his longevity. Yeah, and you have a rookie quarterback, yeah, at, at backup, right? Who deserves yeah. probably who deserves a chance because they did wait because the Falcons were in playoff contention for most of the year, and then they waited until they were out. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Smith and Mariota have a relationship from yeah. Tennessee as well, which I think probably made things a little easier for both of them and just accepting which is still so weird to me that that narrative was out there because it's me too and I didn't really know it was out there too much I think I learned about it through this series more than anything I guess I'm not too tapped into the Atlanta Falcons bubble but yeah see I had the opposite where I was going with the narrative that was set and this series showed me something that was different and I thought of Mariota differently because it from what I was reading and like the headlines and the videos, it, it sounded like he just quit on this mm-hmm. team. But yeah. like he he didn't. I mean, he got a surgery which he needed. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's landed on his feet. So. Yeah. We'll go to episode six now. Um, we got more Arthur Smith right off the bat. I thought he had a good quote saying he gave every us everything he had. That kind of put the Mariota uh, debate to bed. Um, but then we got really into the nitty gritty here. We had this was probably the best episode of the series. Um, it started out kind of with the preview to the Bengals Chiefs matchup. Uh, you know the storyline going into that that. Joe Burrow was, you know, undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. I remember us talking about that on this podcast going into that game. Um, and 
you know, something I thought is that the Bengals have a super underrated stadium setup. That was one of the things that kind of came to mind where they were going through the pregame there. You know, it's got a nice backdrop with the city. It's a gorgeous stadium. It's huge. I don't know. It's something that I just – you don't see it talked about in kind of that conversation. I guess you won't love that. But Yeah, you'll never get me to, yeah. to admit that, yeah. I think, since – the issue with Cincinnati, I don't think it's a bad team, but I just don't don't think their owner invests any money into right. that team. And if you see their practice facilities, I think they constantly rank in like the bottom of the NFL. Interesting. And it's it's I don't know. Maybe their stadium is great. I've never been personally. It was just something I hadn't seen. It is too a much good before. location. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Paul Brown Stadium, I believe it's yeah. called. Um, Burrowhead. We going to Burrowhead. That's what they just kept saying. Um, they obviously came back and bit them in the butt, and yeah. it was. I like the inside that, like, yeah, Mahomes heard it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he acknowledged it. He's like, yeah, like, I know this is going on. I believe uh, our boy Bobby Stroop was saying it to him as he was stretching him out on the bed. Bobby Stroop was all front and center in this episode, back again. He he gets another nameplate every episode. I don't know how. He just gets keep keeps on getting it reintroduced to the show. The most unforgettable character outside of the three quarterbacks, yes, I would absolutely. say. absolutely. And it's, yeah, nameplate every time. It's like, hey, Bobby, like, you, you paying them to get this up there or what? Like, your name is out there enough. You made your career off Mahomes. Exactly. Congrats, dude. It's Everything's okay. Yeah, we got Kirk Cousins being even more likable going through fan mail. Like, are you shitting me? He goes through fan mail and writes back to fans. It's the cherry on top. It really was. I mean, it just helped. It made me think, like, fuck, if you were a kid and, and got a letter back from an NFL quarterback, that would be absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, and it's like, Genuine, he like yeah. the ones he showed. It was like he would always add in a genuine line, right? Yeah. It's like he wasn't just like just signing his name or something. He I believe he autographed a card, one of them sent it back, yeah. and he was like, you know, well, well, don't hate your teacher for being a Packers fan or something. We can't all be perfect. Like just like little lines like that can mean so much to whoever's on the receiving end of that mail. Yeah, and like I said, yes, like Kirk Cousins, all three of these guys came out quite likable. Yeah, I think series. so too, and. It was super interesting to kind of see the inside of the Perk Thuggins thing too. Like we get get to see him with all the chains on. He's going through it on the on the flight. Like that was great. That made him even more likable. One thing I had from this episode, which was super interesting, was what we talked about. Uh, kind of, I think, our in our first uh, episode review was that the ring around the rosy play we were wondering whether that was going to be a Mahomes idea we were figuring that it would have had to go through Andy Reid and then we figure out in this one that the reindeer snow globe screen left was from Andy Reid that was like an absolute plot twist to me it was so funny because I think they got they got called on something, right? Where it didn't work out. I think they got I, called on either a hold or a motion. Yeah, Mahomes was like, we worked on that for 10 weeks. Well, I can't do his accent. I'm not going to try. But he was just like, we worked 10 weeks. Like, yeah. think about working 10 weeks to execute one play yeah. in a game, and it, it, it didn't even count. It didn't even count. And I think that play doesn't even happen either if Kadarius Toney doesn't make that catch because he, like— absolutely stops on a dime twice and breaks tackles to get into the end zone. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, what are the odds that they got the biggest comeback in NFL history on on camera like that? I think that that was the absolute cherry on top to this whole series, even more so than the Super Bowl at the end was, you know, getting a, thir- what was it, 35 points? 31? 30, 31. Yeah, 31. 31. Yeah. And I remember we were podcasting yes, during, during it. that game, and I think – 
yeah, we just delayed it because we were going to podcast early, and then we saw, we're like, hey, the Vikings, like, keep an eye on this, keep an eye on this, and then it happened while yeah. we were recording, so that was fun. It was perfect. It was a perfect season to be following Kirk Cousins around because that Viking season was just chaos. It really so was. Like, that Bills game, uh, just the way that they won every game by, I felt like, a field goal or less than a touchdown, and then, obviously, the biggest comeback in NFL history. Winning 13 games and not winning the conference yeah like, that was the craziest thing to me too like re-remembering that and seeing that in I think it was episode seven and you know them being like we grinded all year and we have to go play a wild card game right now it really puts the Eagles season into perspective yeah and it's just so funny how disappointing their season ended it's crazy they just lost to the Giants they just lost to the Giants went home Giants did nothing <laughs> see ya forgot about it yeah i I assumed I I just completely wiped that game out of my mind yeah, when I, when they went into that playoff game I just went on autopilot a bit and was like okay yeah Minnesota wins and I was trying to think about who they lost to in the divisional round they never made it they never made they it they never made it and yeah, the Giants tough. Giants were world beaters that day yeah and it and I think it's interesting to uh, see that with that in the in like the cut and the final cut seeing. How weird of a season the Colts season was, too. Like, the Colts had that close game against Kansas City. Or did they beat they Kansas beat, City? They beat, they beat Kansas City. And they they get absolutely come back on this one after going up 31-0 on, like, the best team in football that, up to that point. I, if you're a Colts fan, I'm sorry. They, it, what a weird season, and it's absolutely dark. You don't have a lot to look forward to right now. The Colts are just a mess. I don't know how we got there, but... Yeah, that that was crazy. Sam, hopefully Sam listens to this segment. He'll like that. Um, and then, yeah, the last episode was just the, the final chapter. The final chapter, was, the Mahomes titled. show. Uh, we talked about a lot about that ankle injury on this show, how much – I think they cut out the scenes of them dosing him up to the to the gills. I, I needed it. I was I was like, follow them into, follow them into the trainer's room at halftime. Yeah. Follow them, follow them. I need, that was the one – piece of behind the scenes that I'm dying they, for. they took away from let me hear the syringes how many doses did he get and like i would his ankle might have been iron at that point i yeah. bet they they brought out like a flamethrower they were throwing everything at that i i think that's something that gets so lost in football especially in nfl games with big players like that like they'll do fucking anything it'll come out 15 years from now Mahomes will be doing some interview and it'll be like oh yeah I got you know eight shots toward all in that game and then it'll come out and like people won't care anymore it's just crazy it's it's uh I mean it's very like contrast to the player yeah right like if it's a, a third string running back trying to make a career He'll have a negative, you know, if he only plays yeah. like two C, like he'll have a negative outlook on it. But guys like Mahomes, yeah. who you know, it helped him go like, win, a Super, win a Super Bowl. Bowl Super he's Bowl probably MVP. all for it, and he'll never be in on those lawsuits because the NFL still has him. But it was, I guess, a good way to wrap it up. Is probably the most uneventful episode, I guess you could yeah. say, because you knew exactly you knew what was going to happen. happen, and there wasn't really too anything too in depth or too behind the scenes. But I mean, yeah, it's, I think overall, I think I would rate this series like. Uh, a good eight and a half out of ten, just in the sense that I'm a sucker for anything football documentary related, uh, and I think that they hit on those high points when they needed to, and that kind of made this series really worthwhile in the end. I like that rating. I'd probably give it the same thing. Yeah. It just, like what I said, it just made them all really likable. 
I mean, it didn't uh, change the world for no. me, obviously, but I wasn't expecting it to change the world for me. It was a perfect. It was the easiest watch I've had in a while, obviously, because uh, we we love football and it's it's something we've watched before. So to like re- relive that, it was good. We're, we're they got relit for season two. Relit. We Re- want to do some picks. Well, Joe Burrow is confirmed, I believe. Joe Burrow is confirmed. But now everyone's coming out saying like. It's cool to say you turn down being on Netflix. I know. I know. I don't Rogers. like that. It's the Rogers effect, It dude. literally feels like every quarterback has come out and said that. I know. And it's like, did they really ask you? No. Did they? Dak, did they ask you, Dak? I don't know. Maybe they did. Jordan Love, I got to focus on ball. Dak's going to be in the Marcus Mariota role next year. They're going to get Joe Burrow and Dak struggling to stay on the Cowboys. That That's great. Uh, we need, like, Baker Mayfield. Give me <laughs> you Baker know, I've actually, somebody told me that yesterday. They said I want Baker in it too, and I, it's going to be interesting to see who they fill out. Like if I guess Joe Burrow takes that Mahomes role. Like if you're if you're thinking one for one, okay, Mahomes goes for Burrow. The Kirk Cousins slot, very interesting. Derek Carr. I've heard Derek Carr. I've heard Jimmy Garoppolo. But that might be Mariota. I, I know that and might be Mariota. Do you get somebody younger for that third one? Do you get somebody older? Keep your hands off Kenny Pickett. Like, that's the question. Like, would you know. want Tua to do this series? See, it's interesting because I don't – I think I would love it as a fan, but also conflicted in the sense that, yeah, I think Tua needs to just have absolutely zero distractions and just focus on balling right now, and I don't know if this helps with that. I think I would like – I would love to get an in-depth look at Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if he would be a great personality, but I love watching him throw the ball so much, and I love watching the Jags' offense a lot that I think that that would be interesting. I've I've heard Justin Fields kicked around maybe a bit. I think they're going to have to go younger rather than older to kind of recapture an audience for a second season. That would make sense, and I think younger guys would be more keen on yeah, actually get a doing little spotlight. It. Yeah, as opposed to you know just older quarterbacks who are kind of looking to just go out and play football. Lamar Jackson would be great. He turned it down. Fuck, man. Like he, I'm telling you, if you look up, like the people who turned down, if you look up on Twitter, Netflix QB series, it's it. every top is that just people are turned down. Here, I'll go on the top. So Joe Burrow will appear on season two. Okay. Um, Dak Prescott, he's got enough media. Lamar Jackson rejected appearing on season two. Uh, oh, here's a here's a different one. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert, when asked about the Netflix show quarterback, didn't seem against the idea of being on that the show. That is shocking. He is like the most no- notorious media hater. That's yeah. interesting. Your boy Tua turned it down. Sam Howell turned it down. I don't know who <laughs> he thinks he is. Jesus. That would have been the Mariota, I guess. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Tannehill was approached. Oh, oh he was man. approached last season. Jordan Love. Tannehill would have filled that Cousins role, and I'm glad they got Cousins instead, right? I would say so. Yeah. I don't know what— That makes sense. I don't really know what Tannehill is like, though. I don't know either. He he could be the exact same person as Kirk Cousins. (laughs) He really could be. I actually bet he is. If if you were to put him side by side, I would not be surprised by that whatsoever. They probably live like the exact same lifestyle, live by the same mantras. All all this this series also reinforced to me is that I'm going to go back through as many football lives as I can possibly watch. Yeah, and I got to 
start like i kind of it, it shows how much i forgot kind of already it's of last bad season. man it's like, bad I, like and and having this podcast at least provided a bit of a base for me that i could remember us talking about it and get my footing that way but if i didn't fuck dude yeah it i don't was, know if i would remember i know what the steelers did but there were some games where i'm like oh what like what happened in this yeah, one <laughs> exactly i think a lot of people probably felt that which is surprising and surprisingly works for a tv show where you know the outcomes Right, like yeah. it's for a season where you watched it, it was surprisingly surprising. I feel like the NFL can kind of get away with that when they have yeah. like so many games, eight games yeah. going on at once, and you're just you're yeah. on red zone or you're watching, you're flipping between four different games. Yeah. You have multiple TVs going. It feels like you only like vividly remember the primetime games. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. You remember the night game? I also thought one last thing was hilarious that Kirk was like, "Yeah, they say I'm bad in in." Prime time at night. I got all these game balls up here from night games. Guess they don't know about those. I just thought that was so beauty. Just I enjoyed that too. Keeping receipts from your night ball games is great. Hopefully that changes the narrative a bit. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for our Netflix QB uh, review. And uh, up next, we will be dipping our toes into the fantasy world a bit. We'll talk a bit more about the NFL, some news going around, and uh, you know, just start laying the seeds a bit for your league, for your picks. Just getting the conversation rolling, the ball rolling a bit. So come back after that. All right. Welcome back to a new segment we're going to call Fantasy Fever. We're just going to kind of dip our toes into the fantasy waters right now. Everybody's kind of getting that creeping feeling down the back of their neck that they got to start building their boards. They got to start getting ready for their drafts. And we're just going to kind of do a little State of the Union on fantasy here and get into, you know, some sleepers, some rookies, some people to maybe avoid, and kind of just give you that initial prep for your season. Patrick, how are you feeling about fantasy football season heading into it? Excited. Uh, in one of my leagues, I have the opportunity to defend a title, which is always a nice feeling. It uh, feels like you're the top dog. People are coming for you. Yep. A lot of trash talk, which is always fun. Um, and then I'm doing some some in-person drafting in my other league, which I've never done before and quite excited for that. I think it'll uh, add for a great environment and atmosphere. I think it'll make the more pressure and just it'll really test your GM abilities. And it'll, you might feel like you're in a real NFL war room for once. So I feel I'm like excited. you see that in like movies and TV shows. You see in-person drafts. Like if anybody ever watched the league back in the day, that was a big thing, in-person drafts. And I think that we need to start bringing those back. We're coming out of the, the COVID age. Like I'm tired of doing shit online. Let's get together. Let's have some drinks. Let's let's draft. Yeah, and it's fun like, you know, walking up to the draft oh, yeah. board. You, you got your pick in your hand and then you can announce it. You slap it on your stall. That's and, great. And there you go you got That's your great. team yeah you got the big boy and the, there's no disputing it and you know it's trading it's fun but i'm just excited i think there's i got some some strategies going yeah. this year i the, got some i got some things going on the big talk obviously the shift in fantasy football everybody acknowledges it without kind of acknowledging it at the same time um is the shift to wide receivers running backs are, are in a bit of a perilous state right now not only in contracts but also in fantasy i think that you know this year more than ever people are avoiding running backs or at least putting them sl like lower down their depth chart is that kind of where you're thinking for this season that's exactly where my mind is at damien and i kind of did it accidentally last year and it's a huge reason why i was able to win i got 
um, Travis Kelsey in the first round, and I was able to get Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs in later rounds. It's crazy. And they were top five running backs in the league last year, and it's because I kind of just prioritized getting – I was in a PPR league, obviously, and I just prioritized receiving, and I wanted to get the best player at the position in Kelsey in the first round. Yep. And I just kind of let the chips fall where they may and let the draft kind of come to me. And when I saw those guys sitting on later rounds, I jumped all over it. But the guy who had first overall pick last year drafted Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, same in my league. So tough. Yeah, like that that loses you a season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's the the old adage that like somebody who drafts first overall never wins the league. Uh, It's like almost a curse as much as it is a blessing. And I think that... This year, more than ever, I think people are going to be drafting for depth like crazy, right? Like, you're not going to see any of those, like, you know, one-off late-round picks on a kicker or on somebody, you know, who is they're a fan of. I think people are going to be so strategic in drafting for wide receiver depth and really focusing on that and focusing on getting good, serviceable running backs late in the draft. Um, but I think that, you know, you're going to be – your board here for wide receivers is going to have to be like 40 guys deep, essentially. Yes. Yeah, I think Justin Jefferson is the unanimous yeah. number one pick. If I had the first overall pick, I would get him. I'm holding the number seven pick, Damian, in my, in the, my one league that we've we figured it out. It's interesting. My dream player at that spot would be Jamar Chase. I don't know if he's going to fall there. Okay. I don't know about that either, especially in the, in the run on wide receivers. I think I can see Chase going like two in leagues. Yeah, I think Cup's going to go high again. I think mm-hmm. there's still a lot of hype around uh, Tyreek Hill yep. as well. And then obviously McCaffrey. Yep. That is the, the lone exception to the running back rule because it feels like he's almost their quarterback. And yeah. the ball will always be in his hands with catching, running, yeah. everything. His biggest thing is injury, obviously. But I've been seeing people put Eckler over McCaffrey, man. I I think we disagree. should talk about Austin Eckler here because people seem to be extremely high on him this year, and I don't know. The Chargers are one of those teams where I get so worried about injuries. They're they're such an injury-laden team in my mind, in the history, kind of the culture they have there is something that, I don't know, I just feel a bit hesitant on, um, and it's going to be interesting where those guys fall. Like, once the the kind of trickle down on running backs does start do people get scared and start taking running backs do people stick to their draft strategy here it's going to be interesting I think that those later like first round picks are going to be really interesting kind of where you're at I'm right in the middle thankfully but I do think like you know the later ends are in a weird spot where they should almost be thinking second round more than first round in a weird way like your wraparound pick but Eckler found a way to stay healthy last yeah. year, and obviously was a great pick if you had him. 915 yards rushing, 722 receiving yards with 107 receptions. If Not you're bad, in yeah. PPR league, like you're getting a wide receiver at uh, running back, yeah. which is why I think you know him and McCaffrey are good picks. And same if you can get sense. Kelsey, like you're getting a wide receiver in the tight end slot, yeah. which I think is a great strategy to have. I agree. Let's go on to some sleepers here. We'll start there. Um, I think that the sleeper position is going to be really, really looked into this year in in the sense of what I just talked about with having a deep draft and people really going for those wide receivers still in those late rounds. Patrick, why don't you start with a wide receiver sleeper for me? A wide receiver sleeper? It's It won't be one that's super deep, but I think he'll be a great wide receiver too. It'll be in your yep. starting lineup. 
he's flying under the radar, I think, because this team in general is kind of flying under the radar. I mean, they got a new new quarterback at the helm, and I'm talking about Chris Olave, who's wow. coming off a thousand yard receiving year, um, and now he's got Derek Carr throwing him the ball, who I think is a bit of an upgrade from Andy Dalton. I, I think would so say. too. And he's the clear number one. I I think there's going to be a lot of hype around other teams with new quarterbacks, like the Jets. I think Garrett Wilson will probably go a little higher than he should because I think he's going to have to. I agree. He's like not going to be the sleeper that you got last year. A lot of people got in on on Garrett Wilson early, and I think they have more weapons to spread the ball around. Yeah. a bit. So I don't know if he's going to see the target share that he got last year. But I do. I like the other Ohio State wide receiver, Chris Olave. I think he's going to go for another thousand yard receiving year. And I'm sure he's going to get more. His biggest problem last year was he didn't get in the end zone, but yeah. the Saints in general didn't get in the end zone really last year. I think they upgraded at quarterback with Derek Carr over Andy Dalton, I like, like I said. Yeah. And I think he's a great wide receiver, too. If you're able to get him there, if you get him as a flex, I mean, you're laughing. But I wouldn't have him as a your number one wide receiver. Yeah. If you can avoid that, I would. But he's a good number two. All right. I'll go in a kind of similar but kind of different direction. Another Ohio State guy. You'll love this. Uh, I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. I think that Terry McLaurin has put up three over 1,000-yard seasons in a row with absolute question marks all over the map at quarterback. It's not like they got – you know, a Derek Carr where you can point, but it's more of a consistency pick and sleeper in the sense of nobody's really jonesing to get a commander's receiver, you know, in this season. This is a guy who traditionally is kind of undervalued but still goes decently high. He only got in the end zone five times last year. That's really where the worry is on him, similar to Olave. Uh, but I think that this is a guy who, in in how much people are really looking around the league to get receivers with solid quarterbacks I think this is a consistency play and a guy who deep in your lineup is still going to get you a lot of points yeah I th- like you said no one's gonna be jumping out like to get a commander's yeah. wide receiver obviously Sam Howell's the quarterback we have no idea how that's gonna go but if you can get Terry McLaurin at, like this is a true sleeper pick yes. like, I like where your head's yeah. at like if you can get him at your flex you are laughing because like you said yes. he just consistently will get you yards. He finds ways, yards after the catch, yeah. yards after contact. He just finds ways to get it. Hopefully he gets in the end zone more. Obviously, five touchdowns isn't the greatest. But, I mean, it's it's a it's a great sleeper pick if you can get him out of your flex. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. we'll go to the running back position now. We've talked about it. We'll do the same thing, a sleeper at running back. I think this is going to be really important this year. Yeah. So this is it. This is going to be my entire draft. I... I Oh, tipping my hand a bit here with uh, with my lead. Don't listen. We'll see. But, yeah, two guys of mine. I got two. Sorry. I, Alexander Mat- Madison with the Minnesota Vikings and Rashad White with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Interesting. I think these are two teams. I think Madison it will fly under the radar because no one knows who he is. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to take over Delvin Cook's role, and I think he's going to see 15 to 20 carries a game this year. I don't think he's going to be a huge threat in the receiving game, but I think he will get touches. Uh, he set a season high last year for touchdowns in a season with five, so it shows they trust him in the red zone, yeah. which I think is very crucial. And, I mean, I just think Kirk Cousins, like it's just a balanced offense. They're going to run the ball in that offense. Kirk's not going to go it's true. run it. And I, I think he's a good play, and you can 
get him later on. And I'm with, with, with sorry with Rashad White. Similar situation, kind of to like Olave, I guess, where the team's flying on the radar. No one's talking about the Buccaneers. Their offense is pretty scary, scary bad. Um, and I just think Baker Mayfield is going to hand that ball off to Rashad White. I think he's going to get a lot of touches, a lot of yards. And I just think you can get him late. And I think he'll be a top 20 running back in the season. And if you can get him as your running back too late, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I like that. I think that those are true sleepers in the sense of guys who won't really be looked at and a guy who you can have in your back pocket like safely in those later rounds. Um, this is a tough one because there are guys who are sleepers and then they're not. Like I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of between two right now. I'll go with the first. It's Cam Akers for the Rams. I think if you're in a PPR league, Cam Akers is kind of the guy you want at a depth position uh in 2022 he got 188 carries for right around 800 yards seven touchdowns um obviously the rams similar to the commanders are not a team that you're like jonesing to get in on uh in terms of fantasy uh but another guy who's going to see the ball a lot this year um and is going to be you know the prime option for them i think that it's something to keep an eye on what I would love as my sleeper pick is Rashad Penny from the Eagles. I think that he's somebody who's kind of dealt with injury history in before, um, but he's kind of the ideal sleeper in the sense that if he's healthy and available, he'll be like an early option for the Eagles team that still runs the ball a lot. It's not like they've completely you know shifted to that full-on passing attack. And I, I feel like with the Eagles, people don't all, always think to towards the rushing game, and you might be able to kind of grab them there. I just think uh, Jalen Hurts is going to steal his carries. Yeah. And DeAndre Swift's coming in, too, yeah. right? So, it's interesting. It's, it's a good – it's a very good uh, – That's my only thought with the Eagles is that their rushing attack seems to come from Jalen Hurts. Right. Which is, But it is it's probably why people are undervaluing Eagles running backs because they do get touches in the red zone. Yeah. Like they get and, touchdowns. Yeah. Miles Sanders was getting touchdowns last exactly. year. Exactly. And another one just to, to throw out there, Sam J. P. Ryan with the Broncos now – yeah, that's a good one. I don't know, man. It, it's similar to like it, this the situation in the Eagles where, yes, they are going to run the ball a lot, but, you know, are you going to have to share a lot of those runs with um... – I love the pick with Javante oh, Williams. Javante Williams, sorry. It's, yes. it's uh, Javante, he's still very unproven. Yeah. No one really knows what we're getting out of him. Yeah. Uh, P. Ryan was a great I grabbed him for yeah, last, a week or two year. last year, and he was a dog. He was amazing, and I think he's going to have a chance. He's the guy who gets it in the passing game more so than the running game. Mm-hmm. So if you're in PPR league, you get this guy as your flex when he becomes this – if he becomes the starter. I think yeah. this is the, that is the asterisk on this, the throw this up, thing. Yeah. But if he becomes a starter, I think he's – you're right. He's probably top 25 running back fantasy-wise. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to rookies now. Let's talk a little rookies. So there's some rookies that are going to go pretty damn high in fantasy drafts. There's some others that aren't. Um, what are you thinking about like the current kind of uh, culture or the current discussion around guys like Bijan Robinson, Zay Flowers, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba? Like what? What are your thoughts right now in terms of drafting them? In terms of stock? I I think. Bijan Robinson is the sexiest pick out of out of all the the rookies. I think he's gonna go, dare I say, higher than he should. Yeah, I think he's that um, 
him and Jameer Gibbs have that hype coming right out of yep. out of the draft. They think they're going to be um, getting a lot of touches in terms of the receiving game out of the backfield. I don't even know if Jameer Gibbs has fully earned that starting uh, starting role over over um, David Montgomery, but they seem to have him very high in terms of the receivers. Like you said, I worry about I'm weary about Jackson Smith and Jigba because I think he's going to be like the third wide receiver on the team. I think he's very good and I'm yeah. going to have a very good career, but I don't know if he's going to get the same amount of attention as like a Jordan Addison who's going to be a number two on that team. Uh, you said Zay Flowers is probably going to be a number two. Maybe even a three, depending on how things kind of shake out there it, with Odell in the mix now. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I think I he's better than Rashad Bateman. I, I think so, too. I don't know. It's interesting It's it's interesting to see. Then you obviously have Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, the quarterbacks. Like Does anybody take a flyer on a rookie quarterback, man? That's crazy. I, I would love to get a rookie as my backup. Yeah, I, I think so. I love it. And especially if Anthony Richardson turns into like Justin Fields in the second half of last year's yeah. season where he was just a fantasy hack yeah. with rushing yards yeah, and rushing yeah. touchdowns. It's something to it look at. Maybe something to look at on the waiver wire, rookie QBs. Yeah. Uh, if they make it just there. The, it's just the three, right? I'm not missing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have Jordan Love. Whatever the hell is going on in like Tennessee right now. I don't <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about Will Love. I think Tannehill is going to be a day one starter. Whatever I think, the I think that's, whatever the hell is going on in Indianapolis, yeah, it's uh it's going to be interesting in that sense for quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks are going to be a toss up this year. Josh Allen's got a ton of stock. Do people go to Joe Burrow? I had Joe Burrow as my quarterback last year. Sometimes it was the best thing ever. Sometimes it sucked. I don't know. I think I think quarterbacks are going to fall a bit, except for Josh Allen. He's going to go really high. I think. I want Jalen Hurts or Mahomes. Mahomes or I had Allen last year, who was obviously very good to me. Missed Mahomes they, by a pick last year. There were some frustrating Josh Allen games, though, for sure, which you you really wanted to – you were pulling your hair out. Just well, like I, I had a guy in my league with Diggs and Allen last year. Like, it was it was Put insane. all his eggs in one basket? Yeah. It worked out for him, though. Yeah. And An interesting one this year is just, just the running quarterbacks, I think. Justin Fields' stock is as high as it's ever been. I still think he's very unproven. Yeah, he had a good uh, second half. Jalen Hurts is going to be the sexy pick, and Lamar Jackson is not really being talked about. But I mean, that's a great that is a great great fantasy quarterback to have. Man, Uh, I'm getting excited. This draft's going to be crazy. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence would be a good one too. I just I just keep looking and I have a take for every quarterback that I look at. Um, we could do this all day. This, yeah. this podcast could be two and a half hours. Yeah, I'm just gonna avoid. Uh, I'm gonna try and avoid teams. I don't know where I was going with this. I'm just gonna avoid like Anthony Richardson. I am gonna avoid him because I think he is just the most volatile person. Solely avoid there. Anthony Richardson. There you have it, folks. <laughs> I think that'll do it today for our fantasy fever segment this is new we'll keep on updating you as we get closer to drafting uh but that'll do it today for us at the goalpost thanks for listening keep supporting us keep listening and uh yeah we'll see you next week see you damien see ya praise the lord i was born to travel feeling like slash in front of the chapel i'm lean back with the less pull I smoke is like cholesterol Spill dressing on the vest at the festival The best of all Had a midget Puerto Rican at my beck and call Best believe that there was neck involved Around and almost wrecked the sub uh, We took acid for 10 days straight up